Hi, everybody, and welcome to Bernstein Insights. I'm Matt Palazzolo, Senior Portfolio Manager, and today we're launching a mini-series on cryptocurrencies and blockchain technology. And so I'm joined by my colleague, Paul Robertson, also a Senior Portfolio Manager. And Paul, first of all, welcome. Thanks for joining us. Pleasure to be here, Matt. Paul, it seems like cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin and others have been in the news almost every single day. And they're somewhat tricky to understand, and so I appreciate you coming in, helping everybody to demystify them. You know, our goal with this mini-series is to really shed some light on the cryptocurrency phenomenon, not because we're recommending anybody invest in Bitcoin, but more so that our listeners can appreciate why they were created, their connection to the underlying blockchain technology, and all the related issues around this. So, I think the right place to start is at the beginning. Let's let's cover some of the basics. Tell us a bit about how Bitcoin works. Matt, I think to understand Bitcoin, you have to first understand where it came from. Bitcoin was developed by what's called the cypherpunk community. This is a group of people who are very concerned with privacy in the digital world. And so Bitcoin was designed to be a digital currency that would allow two parties to transact online directly between one another, securely and privately, without having to involve a bank or a credit card company in the transaction. Okay, more just continuing with this basics. Bitcoin's often discussed in relation to the blockchain. What's the blockchain and what's that connection? The blockchain is really what gives you the trust that you need to trade online without the bank or the credit card company. You see, when digital currencies like Bitcoin eliminate the middleman, that means we no longer have a bank or a credit card company tracking who owns what. So there's a risk of fraud here, particularly double spending of any digital currency. A blockchain is the game-changing underlying technology that overcomes this problem and makes cryptocurrencies like Bitcoin possible. Okay, so let's let's flesh out that last point. How does the blockchain actually do that? Explain how it works. Well, man, I think the starting point is just to recognize that all the blockchain really is, is a very secure accounting system. That's the point. But let's talk about it in a little more detail, just to flesh out the really interesting ideas behind the blockchain. A blockchain is just a chronological list of transactions. Again, essentially just a really long ledger. But what makes the blockchain really interesting is that the accuracy of the blockchain is ensured by cryptographic techniques that provide computational proof of the order in which transactions took place. This is how the blockchain overcomes fraud and double spending problems and allows people who don't know one another to trade with complete trust. Cryptographic techniques are also used in these cryptocurrency systems to ensure the anonymity of the owners and users of the currency. And lastly, the blockchain is interesting in that it is an accounting system that ends up being broadly distributed across a large number of computers, computers that are in fact competing to process transactions in the cryptocurrency world. But the fact that the ledger is distributed means there's no central authority that controls or in fact could actually manipulate what's in that accounting record. Okay, so certainly complex, but really, really interesting. Let's go back to Bitcoin and the other related currencies for a second. Bitcoin's not the only one that uses this blockchain technology. What are the others? Why are they important? Well, Matt, Bitcoin was the first, and Bitcoin had its 
obvious strengths and weaknesses, and there's been a lot of innovation in that space, in this space ever since. Now, it's hard to keep track. I think today there are at least 1,400 other cryptocurrency systems that have been created, each with various tweaks to the basic Bitcoin cryptocurrency model. So digital currencies like Bitcoin are just one application of the blockchain technology. Why have they been getting so much attention of late? Well, Matt, this is, I think, why our listeners are interested. Real fortunes have been made in the cryptocurrency space. I mean, in particular, towards the end of last year, there was just this amazing burst of euphoria in cryptocurrencies. In mid-December, a single Bitcoin traded at roughly 19,300 US dollars. That was up over 2,400% versus the value just 12 months prior to that. A little bit better than the stock market. A little bit better than the stock market. In fact, let me, let me take that analogy. Returns to anything cryptocurrency coin related in the last 12 months have swamped even the returns that investors in the dot-com mania the late 1990s. were experiencing right. in the late 1990s, yes. And so how have they been doing of late? Well, since its peak in mid-December, the price of Bitcoin has dropped dramatically. Other cryptocurrencies have fallen to greater and lesser degrees. But broadly speaking, some of the bubble has come out of this space. And so with that decline then, what does this all mean for cryptocurrencies? Are, are they here to stay? Is this a, a fad? I think eventually we're going to see the space settle down and there'll probably be one or two or three cryptocurrency systems that endure. But even if uh, a cryptocurrency system endures, uh, looking at the space today, their investment popularity appears to be very speculative in nature. Even advocates for cryptocurrencies can't agree on how they should be valued. And the dramatic price volatility has made the idea that they are currencies that should actually use these in day-to-day transactions significantly less credible. So are you saying that it's unlikely that they will replace currencies as we know them today? We don't see digital currencies replacing existing currencies in most applications. I mean, you're Your traditional retail payment is not something you're going to use a cryptocurrency system for. I mean, the the traditional payment systems that we use today are some of the world's most advanced and fastest evolving technologies. In the third quarter of 2017, MasterCard processed nearly 17,000 million transactions on its platform, compared to just 22 million for Bitcoin. So it sounds like scalability is a problem. So are there other issues that are getting in the way of this becoming a bigger thing? Yeah, there are some other reasons why cryptocurrency systems are are not well suited for sort of front-end retail payments. Uh, Related to scalability, there's transaction time. Instead of real-time authorization that you have with Visa and MasterCard, in the Bitcoin world, transactions are bundled together and a bundle of transactions will be processed every 10 minutes. So in practice, if you're, if you're paying with Bitcoin, you have to wait around for 10 minutes to see whether or not that transaction actually went through? Exactly. Then there are some cost considerations. Cryptocurrency systems, including Bitcoin, charge, and the amount varies, but it's roughly 1% to process transactions. 
Now that doesn't compare very favorably with uh, 20 to 80 basis points for Visa and MasterCard on a like-for-like basis. Finally, cryptocurrency systems face real brand challenges. Visa and MasterCard are accepted at nearly 40 million merchant locations and have over 2 billion cards issued worldwide. By comparison, Digital currencies like Bitcoin have virtually no consumer or merchant acceptance and therefore very little real retail brand recognition. So you, you, mentioned, you mentioned earlier the speculative nature of, of um, Bitcoin, also some of the, the private consumption. Do we have a sense for how much of these Bitcoin, the turnover, the transactions are private versus speculative? Well, this is a really interesting question. The blockchain, if you remember preserves anonymity. And so you can't look at the blockchain and accurately determine what transactions were purchases of goods and services and what were purely speculative transactions. So what you have to do is rely on survey data. And the survey data consistently shows that most Bitcoin owners and most owners of other cryptocurrencies have not bought their coins because they want to use them to pay for goods and services. Depends on the survey data, but certainly no more than a quarter, perhaps less than 10% of all Bitcoin transactions are actually for goods and services. Most of the rest are speculative transactions where buyers hope to sell their coins later at a higher price. And most of the remaining transactions are actually arbitrage transactions where people have worked out that the U.S. dollar price of Bitcoin is sufficiently far from the euro price of Bitcoins that they want to exploit that price differential. So less than 10%. That sounds like these cryptocurrencies have a dubious value as an actual payment mechanism. It's not being used for that purpose. Sounds a little bit like a solution in search of a problem. I think that's right. I do want to acknowledge that cryptocurrency systems do allow people to trade anonymously online. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. But the ability to trade anonymously online um, is an ability that you can only exercise slowly and at some considerable cost compared to traditional payment systems. Apart from that, the emphasis on privacy When we ask ourselves, what problem does Bitcoin solve? The answer isn't readily apparent. So are are there actually cases where these cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin or others, are superior to what's in existence today? Yes, there are. The, The few compelling use cases, however, take advantage of this privacy angle of cryptocurrencies. For example, they're definitely a preferable medium of exchange for illegal transactions. Oh, well, that's good. <laughs> so take illegal drugs. Cryptocurrency systems can ensure anonymity where traditional payment systems would leave a trail for law enforcement, provided, however, that the transaction could be done at all. I, I don't actually know this, map, but I believe it's difficult to buy illegal drugs on Visa or MasterCard. Let's assume so. Yes. Then there are companies or or countries that are subject to government sanctions. For example, it is very difficult to trade with people in North Korea or in Iran. Again, anonymity of cryptocurrency systems facilitates these sorts of transactions where they'd otherwise be blocked. But I want to emphasize that this emphasis on privacy has its own downside. Cryptocurrencies stolen by hacking into digital wallets 
Uh, and there are even stories about uh, people being forced to transfer their cryptocurrencies uh, to criminals at gunpoint. These coins are almost impossible to recover because of the same a- anonymity that we've been talking about. The anonymity, the, the absence of a, of a trail that law enforcement can rely on, also means that if your cryptocurrency is stolen, there's nothing the law enforcement agencies can do about it. Okay, so you haven't yet convinced me to get engaged. So are there, are there legal applications of Bitcoin or other? Well, there are certainly some legal applications. Two in particular come to mind. Uh, there is a company called Veeam that does cross-border payments for small and, business, small and medium businesses. In fact, this is one area where cryptocurrency enthusiasts may have a modest argument. Uh, Cross-border payments are an area of traditional payments which are expensive and slow. However, the traditional payment systems are getting faster and cheaper all the time here. Another um, application, of course, is in some undeveloped markets where the local currency is being depreciated, devalued all the time. And so many people in these economies uh, are looking to Bitcoin as a form of payment in substitution for the fiat currency they might otherwise use, which is itself not very stable and not very reliable. So um, we're running up against our our time here, but just to summarize, it sounds like digital currencies aren't about to displace the existing currencies as we have today. Fair point, Paul? Absolutely. Okay. Good deal. Paul, thanks very much. Thanks for this primer on uh, blockchain, on currencies. For everybody out there listening, please tune in for our next installment in which we will discuss how to value cryptocurrencies. Paul, thank you again. And for everybody out there listening to Bernstein Insights, you can find us everywhere you listen to podcasts. Bernstein, making money meaningful for individuals, families, and foundations for over 50 years. Visit us at Bernstein.com.